The next time you're on Interstate 80, stop in and see the folks at the Iowa 80 Truck Stop at Exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. They're always open and ready to serve you. Enjoy a sit-down meal at the Iowa 80 Kitchen or grab a bite from one of their nine quick-serve restaurants. You'll love their clean restrooms, huge gift store, beautiful convenience store, and, of course, the Super Truck Showroom stocked with plenty of chrome, lights, and more. While you're there, don't forget to visit the Iowa 80 Trucking Museum next door. It's free. The entire team at the Iowa 80 is very excited to celebrate 60 years with you. They look forward to being your home away from home for another 60 years. Sending you a giant thank you from Iowa 80, the world's largest truck stop on I-80, exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. Iowa 80. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. This is Red Eye Radio. Hello and welcome. The key is Gary McNamara. I'm Eric Harley. This, this is Friday. It's just begun. Let's venture into it together. Gary, how are you? Good. Let's play this audio cut to start off the show. Okay. Here we here we go. And uh, it is uh, Mr. Biden speaking yesterday. But all of a sudden, blue collar workers, all the guys that grew up with in Claymont and Scranton, they vote Republican. Not a joke. What's happened? I think a lot of it because they don't think we care. Because you don't. Because you don't. <laughs> That's why. You killed tens of thousands of union jobs for no reason at all. Why don't you tell them they should go learn to code? Right. I mean, it's just... <laughs> there's self... There's Here's here's the beautiful thing. There's no self-awareness as he identifies the problem. Yeah. <laughs> we don't know. We don't, we don't know why they're voting Republican. It's not a joke. No, you're right. It's very serious. They take their livelihood very seriously, and you don't. Oh, my! I'm just <laughs> I just burst out laughing. I'm sorry when I saw when I saw that one yesterday. It's just like, well, yeah, because you're killing you. <laughs> and this is the other thing too with the <laughs> the president yesterday because you you had even mentioned to me in our pre-show meeting how he was talking about manufacturing again and yeah and and uh, it, it's like. Everyone knows. It's obvious. There is no debate. Democrats wish to kill manufacturing because manufacturing <laughs> creates global warming gases and they want them gone. Right. And so, and yesterday, you know, we had talked about the, the problem, uh, you know, the GDP numbers came out, which were which were positive, which they expected. Mm. But every other number showing what's going to happen in the next couple of months. Horrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely horrible. Mm-hmm. And manufacturing, the president the other day was talking about, you know, manufacturing, you know, that it's it's great and it's horrible. Right. I mean, the, we still have manufacturing in this country. We have, but it's going in the opposite direction that it should be going in. And the fact is, the Democrats on one they they want to play, and I guess a lot of blue collar workers have figured it out. You're saying one thing and you're doing another, right? 
You don't care about our jobs. Your party doesn't care about our jobs. In fact, it's part of your platform to destroy our jobs. Well, they care about our jobs as they're destroying the jobs. So, I, you know, they I don't know. Say, they say right. they care about right. the jobs. But so, their platform it, it forces them, not forces them, they, they chose this. Their platform demonstrates clearly that they don't care about the jobs. Go learn to code. If I did acid, would I be able to understand the mindset better? No, because you would probably have clearer thinking. <laughs> You'd be going in the opposite direction. You'd be sitting around going, wait, 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 wait. By the way, for those under the age of 60, <laughs> acid. acid is LSD. So that's... <laughs> and for those under okay. the age of okay. 90, okay, LSD, <laughs> basically mushrooms. Yes, yes. <laughs> no, in Colorado, shrooms. Yeah. <laughs> but ser- I, I, I said that because I always think, I go, wow. Just for a day, I'd like to get in to the mind of a liberal so you could, so you could experience it, to see what it's like. That's my nightmare. I'm, I'm trying to avoid that. Well, that's that, and, and and so and so when that thought went through my head, yeah. then the next one was well, maybe maybe better just to do acid and then try to figure them out <laughs> because it's just, it, it just nothing makes nothing makes any kind of sense. I mean, it's just you know when Biden says you know stuff like that, it's like uh, they don't think Democrats care. No, they know Democrats don't care. You want the example, the Keystone Pipeline. You killed tens of thousands of the best union jobs. Yeah. Of the best union jobs, you killed them and said, hey, go learn to code. Yep. There was no compassion. There wasn't a reason to do it, even based on the the uh, bogus mindset of Democrats because you're Secretary of Transportation, your climate czar, your energy secretary all told you or said afterwards, oh, no, it was the wrong thing to do. It's actually the worst thing for the climate change that the Democrats believe in. So from our standard, it was the wrong thing. From the Democrat standard and the liberal standard and the climate change standard, it was still the wrong thing to do. Yeah, Not only right. did he do the wrong thing, but he did the wrong thing across the entire political mindset. And then Missouri Cavalier, I go learn to code. You, you, you can you can find another job uh, somewhere else. Zero compassion. Yeah. Hey, uh, you know, here's the thing. Um, the good news is, and we'll just try and stay positive on this Friday. For those that are blue collar workers, uh, whether you're in Scranton or anywhere else, uh, you should learn to code because that's working out for all the folks at Google. And IBM, we need this kind of <laughs> positive comments on on the show, Eric. Thank you so much for for raising the level of hey, hey positive just, rhetoric on the I got, show. I got my I got my certificate that says I know how to code. I don't know. I don't know how that works. I don't know if you get a certificate, but just follow along. I, I got my certificate. I learned to code. Look, I know how to code. As he's walking up to the Google building and all these people are walking out with pink slips.
Yeah, how's that working, Biden? You're you're, you're up there. He, he said yesterday. Ah, finally, Americans are seeing relief. No, they're not. No, no, <laughs> they're not seeing relief. He's that, that that's that's like saying, okay. Uh, normally, my expenses go up one uh, percent a year. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to do you know one to one and a half percent a year, which basically has been inflation. Yeah. Uh, all of a sudden, they started going up. Nine percent a year. Oh man, I'm hurting. Okay, now they're only going up six to seven percent a year. Oh, I'm feeling such relief. Yeah. Well, that six percent a year, when you look at the some of the last figures, and I'm rounding off everything here, mm. is based on the higher cost that you felt the year before. Mm-hmm. So there is no relief, and it's like I can't understand it. Well, because you're lying to them. You're telling people. Oh, you're feeling relief, and they're saying, "No, we're not." Well, why don't they? Why don't they respond to me anymore? And the Democrats, because you're completely tone deaf, you're callous, you killed some of the best union jobs in the country. You want to kill all the oil jobs. You want to kill. We can, we can go back to uh, uh, Obama. Uh, was it Obama? It was. It was uh, Hillary, Obama, and, and who else? Oh, Bernie. Bernie. Yeah, Bernie. Yeah. When in one week, back in 2015, yeah. Hillary announced she wanted to kill all the coal jobs. Right. Remember then? She had to do a roundtable where she brought a coal worker. She had to bring in a coal worker. Coal worker. She An became... actual coal worker. <laughs> Afterwards, after meeting with that coal worker, she washed her hands for two hours. <laughs> She wanted to kill all the coal jobs. Then Bernie came in and wanted to kill all the trucking jobs. And then Obama, like four or five days later, and we said, Obama was like, oh, geez, they're all killing jobs. I haven't killed any jobs yet. Oh, okay, offshore drilling. Done. We need to get rid of those jobs, too. And it's like oil, coal, trucking. Oh, yeah, we're the manufacturing party, aren't we? I mean, it's just By the it's way, bizarre. That would totally move the country forward, getting rid of those three sectors all at once. By the way, at the uh, press conference, the, the little press event she had with that coal worker, the media asked Hillary, do you think coal workers should learn how to code? She said, no, no, don't learn how to do anything with computers, <laughs> ever. I don't want you to understand the concept. Don't, of no, that. no, no, no. Stay away from computers, especially mine. <laughs> oh, my God. It just, oh, does it ever end? It doesn't. It really doesn't. Does and, it, I mean, does it ever? And, and, and you know, it, it's still built. If you think about it, it is all built on this fantasy that the sun and the wind are just going to give us everything we need. The wind is free. The yeah. sun is free. I, we can't see. Oh, you're an idiot. Yeah, you're a moron. Because we've seen where it's, we've seen where it's led us. Well, I mean, but, this is this is the thing is that even as we start to learn the, some people for the first time learning the lesson. What, what, what do you mean solar doesn't produce energy at night? <laughs> Since when? You get with those solar workers. You get with a solar union and tell them they have to work at night. <laughs> I wonder how many people in their mind, hey, if 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 we can work at night, they can work at night. I mean, 
it is absolutely <laughs> the most insane thing. It's worse than dealing with children. You know why? Children have the ability to learn. I've seen it happen. I'm not speaking for myself, but other children have learned. You can teach children things. But far too many people, adults in this public of ours, just decide that they're not going to learn. They can get burned, and they go back and touch that stove over and over and over. Uh, it's not a gas stove, though. Yeah, the lies were flying yesterday, whether it was Hakeem Jeffries or the, the president yesterday about the, the economy. I mean, it's just... It's it's delusional, and you know maybe yeah they probably understand what's going to what's going to be happening here yeah, yeah. with the with the bad economic numbers and they're you know and they're they're trying to do whatever they can but the fact is you know it's the same thing I, I look at you know Biden constantly and especially last couple of months talk about how the economy is doing so well and inflation is down and uh, workers are finding relief and that's not true it is it really is in it. Just, I think, the continuing example of how uh, I take top secret documents seriously. Yeah. And everybody right. knows that he doesn't. Right. It's just a continuation of it's so obvious. You can't lie to people about their own situation. <laughs> you know, you can project out. You can project out and people might buy it. Mm. You can say, look, if we increase the minimum wage to $50 an hour, you'll see a benefit five years right. from now. Right. Oh, I don't know if I'll see I might be able to see a benefit. But when people are hurting, the prices are going up every single week, and you say, the Americans are seeing relief. Now, even if you sat there and, and everybody was getting $5,000 from the government this month, you might be able to say, you could get away with saying, oh, they're seeing relief this month. I mean, it's going to cause massive inflation down the road, yeah. but you're seeing relief this month. You can get away with it. Right. Just but, insane. But it's it's like they take they take... Things that people are feeling right today that are, are as obvious, that I'll use the word, that are self-evident. They're yeah. self-evident to everybody. Everybody knows their situation, you know, it, unless they've got a new job and tripled their pay. Mm. Everybody knows that inflation is still going up. Yeah. And they haven't found relief yet. They're not getting it. And so when you lie to people about the economic situation that they're in that they feel every single day it's just it's amazing it really is there there's they are so tone deaf so callous so uncaring and then they go oh we don't understand why the blue collar worker doesn't support the democratic party anymore oh they, they think we don't care because you don't at least he said that part out loud yeah Oh, that's great ammunition for the Republicans. Oh, my gosh. Because we've been saying it. You know, conservatives, Republicans, they can say it. You know, we can say it. Because it's true. The party doesn't care. Now, you know, the way he phrased it is as if it implies they still care. Well, they think we don't care. Actually, they think you don't care because you don't care. We've got a great show ahead. 866-90-RED-EYE. Starting and charging system-related issues are one of the most common causes of winter breakdowns. So when your batteries talk, it's important you listen. Knowing the warning signs that could indicate your electrical system needs attention can help you avoid getting stuck out in the cold this winter. 
Your truck's inability to crank at the proper speed is the most obvious sign that a battery-related issue is present. If you experience any sluggishness when cranking your engine, get a full electrical system check from a trusted service provider. Continuing to crank a vehicle with low or inadequate voltage will damage the starter and can cost you uptime down the road. This report is a service of Shell Rotella. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Curley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. Coming up on the show, National Archives tells former presidents and vice presidents, uh, could you uh, check to see if you've got any top secrets just laying around anywhere? Yeah, just, just look around you. One of the biggest problems still for Biden is having the classified documents while he was in the Senate. That uh-huh. was brought up. Quite a bit uh, yesterday. The GDP positive, I think it was 2.9%, but the rest of the economic news is not. We'll get to uh, uh, that. It's Oscar time, so the liberal circular firing squad uh, uh, begins. Oh, I'm telling you, it's wonderful. It's just wonderful. I just, uh, the, it's, it's a perfect liberal circular firing squad. <laughs> uh, the politics of the Border Patrol whipping non-scandal because it never existed. We'll get to some of that. There was a, uh, I think it was a Heritage Foundation. Got the emails. Got yeah. the emails being sent back and forth, right. showing the politics of it uh, also. That coming up. Biden, we're sending tanks to Ukraine. Oh, sorry, we don't have the tanks. Never mind, maybe in a year or two. My God. <laughs> 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 Only Biden could mess something like that up <laughs> before you promise the tanks shouldn't you check your tank inventory <laughs> maybe in a year or two we're going to send you four unicorns hold on wait okay i'm being told uni- unicorns don't actually exist oh I, I mean i couldn't believe that yesterday when i saw that it's um never mind we don't have the yeah. tanks in inventory yeah uh, how about some oh. large SUVs? I mean, just, <laughs> I mean seriously. I mean, way to project the yeah. power and influence of the United States. Yeah, we're going to send you thirty something tanks. Oh, in the next date. Never mind. We don't have any. Yeah, we. Yeah, we don't. Yeah, we have. We, have, we don't have any. We don't actually have any tanks, but no tanks to spare. Yeah. Well, anyway, good luck. <laughs> I mean, I only only the Biden administration on something like that. Think about that, because all the analysts were focused on, OK, what does this mean? Does this mean we're getting closer to sending troops and blah, 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 blah? Are we not going to send troops? Blah, blah, blah. What does this mean for Putin? You know, I, I think still the drudge headline is World War Three. Yeah. Yeah. And because there's not a. There wasn't a uh, award show last night, so he put Putin as the headline. (laughs) 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 Hollywood. There was no Hollywood award show. Right, yeah. (laughs) And so 
uh, you know, this that was basically the back and forth. You know, what is this going to mean? Uh, could uh, could Putin lash out? Putin's laughing. He's laughing. Yeah, I mean, it was that is just horrible. I mean, just no. Horrible. I mean, it, it is just insanely incompetent. Mm-hmm. No one in that whole chain of command said, "Wait, wait, 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 wait!" Before we promise them tanks, we should know that we don't have any tanks. Bonus show. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Eight six six ninety Red Eye. So the uh, GDP up two point nine percent in the uh, the fourth quarter. Remember, didn't we? Wasn't it uh, just uh, less than a month ago we were talking about that the the expectation was close to four percent, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was. I think for it was somewhere between three, five. depending on on who you were talking to, anywhere between I think three point six and four point two. Yeah, and 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 that then then we started seeing the bad economic news come in for December. So the thought was okay because you had the months of October and uh, and and November in there, we still may see positive growth, but it's December that uh, really caused so much of the uh, the the concern. Uh, it's interesting because you look at it. I'm looking from the Wall Street Journal. Uh, businesses restocked inventories as supply chains eased, which accounted for 1.46% uh, of GDP growth. Net exports also added 056 but neither is likely to be sustained. The other big lift to the GDP, and this is a problem, you know, when they revise the GDP, and it's something that we disagree with mm. on the, you know, on, on, on the GDP, is the other big lift. One of the biggest lifts came from government spending, right. transfer payments, yep. and the movement of money is added right. to the GDP, mm-hmm. even though it's not the production of goods and services, as you and I have always <clears throat> uh, uh, talked about. In fact, but, much of that was was payroll, So yeah, the, which increased 3.7% uh, and uh, contributed uh, 0.64% uh, to the 2.9%. Yeah. Most of this was transfer payments and salaries rather than defense or uh, public works. The big cause for concern was the 6.7% fall in fixed private investment. Much of that was housing, uh, minus 26.7% uh, because of the interest rate. <laughs> what the Fed giveth, the Fed now taketh away. Yeah, right. Capital expenditures also fell 3.7%. Uh, signals that businesses are getting nervous and spending less on equipment that can boost uh, uh, worker productivity. Intellectual property investment is holding up better, but research and development declined last quarter. Uh, one culprit may be last year's expiration of the immediate expensing for research and development. The pullback in business investment amid higher interest rates and economic uncertainty has been evident in the ISM Purchasing Managers Index uh, for some time. The economy can't live on consumption alone, and the sharp decline in the savings rate 2.9% in the fourth quarter compared to 7.3% a year earlier suggests that consumers may be running up credit cards to make ends meet or take that vacation they couldn't during the pandemic. Mm. But as savings decline, so will consumer spending. So 
uh, when you look at durable goods, uh, it was pointed out by a number of analysts that Boeing received 250 orders. And, and actually, the net on that was there was 47. There were 47 cancellations. So the net orders for Boeing was 203. You take that out of the equation and durable goods declined. Which, for, uh, for, the fact, con- for the country. Right. Just, that shows you right. the impact of, of, yeah, of orders, of, those kind of orders. Exactly, yeah, which was uh, uh, very interesting to look at. But one of the things, too, from the report was that that inventories, inventories are rising. And the the spending did not come in at 2.9. It came in, consumer spending, at 2.1. So consumer spending slowing down, inventories rising because that's unsold items is what that is. And then you take the Boeing orders out of durable goods, and what you have here is the... The, the all of the signs of a coming recession. And that doesn't even talk about the government spending that we just mentioned. So there are a number of things in this report where the data is essentially, this is why we have a problem with the way they changed the formulation on the GDP years ago. A number of items, and it's, it is... Typical, especially during an election cycle, for the government to ramp up spending. Let's throw a bunch of money into it and, all right, you break that down, what is it? Are they actually producing anything? And you break it down and and take the Boeing orders out of it and where is durable goods? But I think right now, really, what what catches my eye is the consumer spending at 2.1% expected 2.9 and when you have inventories that are building then clearly we're not buying now huh, i guess the good news is is that as inventories build this is something they have seen with retailers in recent months in fact as those inventories build on site in store at, at brick and mortar they've got to get rid of them i mean they've they've got to you know they got to slash prices, so that's a good thing for the consumer. The uh, the one thing, and this is pointed out, Fox Business uh, pointed out its headline and article: GDP report reveals uh, ominous Great Depression warning sign not seen since 1932. Mm. And they say that perhaps the most troubling is the drop in real disposable income, which fell over one trillion in 2022. For context, this is the second largest percentage drop in real disposable income ever. Behind only 1932, mm. the worst year of the Great Depression. To keep up with, with inflation, consumers are depleting their savings and burning through the stimulus checks they received during 20 uh, and 21. Credit card debt continues growing while savings plummeted $1.6 trillion last year, falling below 2009 levels. This is what Jamie Dimon was looking at and warning of, saying that the money spent on uh, the on on COVID relief and savings essentially was going to be depleted. He believed by mid year this year, and we were looking at, at it, going, "Okay, um, what is it? obviously as you know the CEO of the uh, of Chase Bank? They have that kind of data, but the question is, 
is what does he know about the behavior of, of that? Is he just looking at the trend? And that trend, by the way, is playing out. This is what it's showing. Last year, I guess, uh, the, the uh, how much is the pain uh, are the consumers feeling? The average family has lost about 6000 in annual purchasing power mm. under Biden because prices have risen so much faster than wages. Higher interest rates have increased annual borrowing costs by $1,400. Wow. Mm. So on everything that you do a year, just interest rates alone is costing the average family uh, $1,400 a year. I, now, whether yeah. that, that, and that yeah. would be, odds are it's not mortgage if, it's, mm. if you have a fixed rate, but but um, if you don't. <laughs> uh, but that would be, you know, credit card debt, mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah. But I, I was happy yesterday. I secured on a loan uh, a 4% rate. I was buying some eggs, and they, the banker set up right there in the grocery store. On the dairy aisle. 15 or 30 or? Uh, I had to go 30. Okay. Uh, but, I'm not wealthy. Uh, higher higher interest 15. rates have, have increased <laughs> annual borrowing costs by 1400 mm. So that the average family effectively has uh, 7000 Okay, 7400 less in their annual budget. Okay. Is what the average. That's a, and so when they sit there and say Americans are. That's what we say when. Biden was saying Americans are getting relief, and it's it's like, yeah, not happening. That that seven. Think about that in a year and a half, a year and nine months. The average family seven thousand four hundred dollars in their annual budget, and he he seems shocked at at uh, the fact that people think they don't care. Now that's just the average. Someone trying to buy a medium price home today will have a monthly mortgage payment that is 80% higher than when Biden took office. That means spending an extra 9500 a year for the same house. Oi. So uh, uh, there you go. Meanwhile, uh, federal non-defense spending grew 11.2% in the fourth quarter. Mm. Another example of politicians feeding the federal budget while uh, starving the family budget. And remember, that also because they spent so much money in the fourth quarter, that also relates to a better GDP number because it's yeah, not just right, GDP. Right. Is, not, it is not the production of goods and services. It is basically the movement of money. Right which doesn't necessarily mean a better – it can mean a better economy. Right. But it doesn't necessarily at all mean a better economy. And when you have that type of increase in spending by the government in the fourth quarter, that affects, as we brought to you earlier, the other figures, uh, you know, uh, GDP. Right. And we say economic growth, but it's yeah. really not ec- – because what is economic growth? To me, and I think most people would think economic growth is the fact that you are producing more goods and services, therefore creating more wealth. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Because that's how economic growth means I'm getting better. It mm-hmm. just, oh, we're just transferring more money. Well, mm-hmm. no, that's not no. economic growth. No. You know, and, and that's the thing, too, is that there was movement in the formulation of GDP uh, that 
that basically as they changed it and shifted to the movement of money, it also included like planning for growth. Now, it's one thing, let's say if a manufacturer decides, okay, we're going to expand our plant capacity, right? And we're going to buy the equipment. So they buy that equipment in that quarter. Well, okay, that's a real purchase, right? Even if it doesn't pan out for the type of growth that they're anticipating long-term, that movement in buying that equipment is one thing. But in the movement of money, especially with the government, you're not producing wealth. Right. Well, you that could, is that is not well, a, a, an well, expansion of wealth. I, I would say though that buying the equipment, you have made a profit for another company, which then, that's what that was my point. Right. Right. You, that, that, you, that, you, you could include that. But that's you a can't. valid point. Right. That's a valid well, uh, in in the planning because they they moved a lot of categories and said, okay, uh, if a company uh, essentially has it in their plans to expand, well, for me, then that needs to be okay. We're actually making movement we're not just securing a loan beyond that we're we're buying equipment or whatever it might be purchasing property and that type of planning well, even if it doesn't pan out and realize actual profits l- later is part of the gdp l- let me give you a better example that you just gave earlier mm. you actually gave the 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 example of why gdp is is up so much the one bright spot in the economy mm-hmm. is orders mm-hmm. for the planes they haven't been produced. No, they have not. The money hasn't even been transferred. There may be a deposit that they put down, but the entire money for all of those planes and the planes themselves has not been produced, yet that gets credited to the GDP now. In fact, is that, is the, that is that economic growth now or is that economic growth when those planes are delivered? To me, it's economic growth when those planes are completed, delivered, and the and, and the transfer of, of payments for those planes have been done. Um. I, I could see the 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 purchasing of the uh, raw materials and and all of that to set up the manufacturing of those orders. When as that's part when, of it, when that's done, but when I you, don't know, I guess right. my point that's is, a, I don't know how much your of that part of it had been realized in that right, quarter. Right. I'm just giving another example. Yeah, though, if that, it's flat it, out orders on paper and and the movement right. of money to facilitate those orders. Then I have a lot more questions, but did it include the at that point the the movement on the the raw materials and everything else that that's required? We think of um, uh, the economy of a pencil and and everything in that chain of events in order to get those planes right. Built. So the production of those of those parts to build the planes right. once they're completed and sold mm-hmm. is that when you should count the GDP or when the order goes in? And I, I mean, they're, they're, and there are great. I mean, those are great questions. Mm-hmm. And how much of the GDP did they, did they look at the GDP as the total cost of those planes? Let's say the, you know, because each one is I don't know what each one of those planes cost. <laughs> Probably close to a billion dollars now. <laughs> if that's two hundred billion dollars, does it all get credited? Those are the those are the things. But when you start, when they made the movement, and this was that like twenty thirteen or something when they mm-hmm. did that twenty thirteen or twenty fourteen. Yeah. When they when they changed the way that they did it, and it was well, we're going to count more of the movement of money, and we're like, eh, we actually judge the economy by the production of goods and services. But again, it's when you when you count it that can also affect it. Uh, the so the the net order was two hundred and three. Um, the the gross order was two hundred and fifty. There were forty seven cancellations on that Boeing order. 
the the gross order at 250 was valued at 22.5 billion and then the net yeah. order on 203 uh was uh valued at 19.9 billion so if the problem is i think ultimately is how much movement is there and purchases in there in that fourth quarter in those orders 86690 red eye get in touch with red eye radio toll free at 86690 red eye It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Cronin. I'm Gary McNamara, 86690-RED-EYE. Top secrets. More on that coming Top up. Top of the hour news is brought to you by House Products. Visit houseproducts.com. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. This is Red Eye Radio. All across the USA and around the world, we are Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. (laughs) It's the Friday show. Download our Red Eye Radio app today. And uh, you can listen when and where you uh, wish to if you can't listen live overnight. All right. I, let me see if I can. I, I, I've got it here. I, I happened to see this on YouTube yesterday. I was going through YouTube. All right. And I can't find the story on it, but it's a story out of uh, CBS Miami. And the it's basically that the contents of Pence classified documents has been revealed. Well, the contents of the classified documents found in former Vice Pre- President Mike Pence's Indiana home have been revealed. The roughly 12 classified documents included materials described as background briefing memos that were prepared for Pence's foreign trips. One source said some of those classified documents were likely used to prepare Pence for foreign meetings while he was vice president, and they also may have been overlooked during the packaging process because they were tucked away into old trip binders. The FBI and other intelligence agencies are assessing whether any laws were broken here. So that was from CBS Miami yesterday. Right. And then, you know, then, then I saw, you know, Mike, Mike Lee uh, yesterday, the uh, story out there, he said, uh, you know, he explained that uh, classified documents never remain with a uh, uh, senator. But also, Mike Lee yesterday was talking about the fact that, um, you know, and, and others were that they cannot get from, and Democrats are angry too, they cannot get from the Justice Department what those top secret documents are. You know, what they, what right. they, were, what they were concerned about. And this is, again, you get to the House and Senate Intelligence Committee, which, and this is what we talked about yesterday, you know, when we talk about top secrets. And we actually were talking to a gentleman, uh, one of our listeners, uh, you know, who used to deal in, uh, in, in top secrets. And we started talking about, you know, the whole, because of the, you know, Adam Schiff and Swalwell getting uh, kicked off, uh, kicked out of the House Intelligence Committee uh, by McCarthy, because as we know with, uh, um, uh, Swalwell, he had a relationship 
uh, with a Chinese spy. So, sorry, you're gone. You can't do it. I mean, there is no discussion yeah, right. on it. If you have, and, and when you're on the House and, and Senate Intelligence Committee, you have more than just a need to know because it's part of your job because the House and Senate, that is the congressional representative, the people always have, and there are the representatives of the people, they always have a, you know, have a uh, uh, over uh, overseer um, uh, authority over mm-hmm. what the intelligence agencies are doing. Mm-hmm. So when you get up to, you know, you talked about yesterday, you were talking about the Gang of Eight, which includes, yeah. you know, the super top secrets. So you're talking about uh, the uh, the uh, congressional leaders and the leaders of the of the House Intelligence Committee basically are part of the Gang of Eight if there's something super top, top secret. Right. But the whole point is the representatives, Congress is a separate branch from the executive branch. So it just doesn't lie with the executive branch to completely control top secrets. You do have the other elected branch, which is the which is the uh, the the Congress, mm-hmm. and and so they're all screaming, and I was wondering, well, we're getting sources telling us what's in, you know, what the the thing about Pence was. By the way, that diffuses that story a little bit. Yeah, you know the Pence right. story. I mean, not not that the Pence story at all related. Everybody really forgot about it. Right. You know, it's not. But it, but in the way that the liberal media went at it. Right. Yeah. And it's like, well, no, it the, disarms what they were doing. Yeah, these, a the, bit. The, these these were basically, you know, as the sources were saying. So they got it was a source story they got it from. Right. Apparently, CBS Miami, mm-hmm. but they were saying that uh, you know this is about you know about uh, notes that he was given and you know everything for things that had to do with his job. Yeah. You know, it, nothing seemed to be out of place. You know, there, and it was uh, it was packaged, you know, in it, but. We found out, we found out at least what it was, and we know nothing, nothing about President Biden, right? Nothing at all, right? And you're wondering why, and the members of Congress and the House Intelligence Committees, and even Democrats are saying, "What's going on?" Yeah, what you know, you need to be able to tell us. We're Congress; you don't get to keep it. The Department of Justice. Does not, you know, is not the overseer of the intelligence agencies and the top right, secrets. Right. You know, they don't. They don't get the only judgment of it. They're and, not the ultimate oversight. Right. The oversight comes from again the representatives of the people through mm-hmm. Congress, right. who make the laws. And and so I just found it interesting that okay, the Pence thing. Uh, Pence thing leaked, as you said. He... <laughs> That's because he turned himself in. He, he turned himself in. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out he handcuffed himself, which wasn't even necessary. <laughs> he, he he hired a 15-passenger a van, the whole thing. Drove up to the Department of Justice. Perp walked himself in. He even called the media, told him when it was going to happen. <laughs> I thought, so, you know, this is um, the 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 whole list of questions about the Biden documents, and you know, this kind of if you think about it, this it, it, as you mentioned, this kind of disarms what the media was doing, the liberal media, mainstream media was doing with the Pence document find, 
because it essentially is like, okay, everything is out there in the open, right? It would tell you that at the very least, the Pence team is being fully proactive and transparent, right? Mm-hmm. It Well, it indicates that that might just be the case. For Biden, it's quite the opposite. I mean, there's your juxtaposition. And because, you know, uh, former vice president, I mean, many of those documents that Biden had were from his years as vice president and then former vice president, Pence. Well, there's no one making the case, you know, because early on, on when that news was breaking the other day, it was like, okay, well, they're all doing it. Well, I guess this whole thing is over. Well, no, it's not. All three of these cases are very different. The Trump case is much different than the Biden case. And we pointed all of that out. And if you didn't hear that, it's different, first of all, in that the chain of custody of those documents that were at Mar-a-Lago. That's, that's known and was known by the National Archives. Now, the question came up by the liberal media just speculative, uh, speculative in nature. They were asking, well, who had access to Was he sharing secrets with the Saudis and everything else? And then that kind of died away because we were learning more. And it was like, okay, what was the back and forth? Well, the back and forth was really the negotiating tactics between the Trump team and the National Archives. And then ultimately the DOJ moves in with a warrant. Well, With Biden, we have no idea what the chain of custody is with those documents. No. In fact, we have good reason to believe that we know, in fact, that it was not proper chain of custody because and and it was not the inadvertent placement of these documents. Someone took the documents and separated them at the Wilmington home. I don't know what, you know, we still don't have all the details at the University of Pennsylvania, but we know at the very least the documents at the Wilmington home were separated because they were found in multiple places in the home. Right. And the, you know, when you, when you look at it, say what you will, but uh, Trump was very vocal. Mm -hmm. Trump didn't think about this. Neither Pence nor Trump said, we're not going to talk about it because there's an investigation going on. They talked about it bluntly. Uh, Trump now, was now, was vocal almost to a fault. Well, yeah, he 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 was to a fault mm-hmm. because he said at first he declassified them, then couldn't provide evidence yeah, of yeah, it, right? And true. then said the exactly. thing that yeah. well, I can just declassify them in my mind right. if I want. He well, should have been as vocal with his yeah with his lawyers, right. we believe <laughs> exactly. But I mean, when he said that, I mean, that was the dumbest thing. Mm-hmm. That was the dumbest thing you could possibly ever say. I can declassify them in my mind. Mm-hmm. I don't have to tell you that they're being declassified. Right. Well, right. that's ridiculous. No, right. there's a process uh, for there's a process for declassifying. You just don't get to do that. That hurt him when he did that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I'm saying, and and he was being he was. He was telling you what he thinks. It's only the Biden minute. So for good or bad, whatever. Right. And there's still a lot we don't know about it. We don't know. Again, there is, there seems to be, because this would have leaked, there seems to be no intent for Trump to 
to there, there was no intent for him you know nefarious you know intent for him right. for example as we heard afterwards he was going to sell the secrets to the uh, saudis or whatever mm-hmm. that came out and then you know that that just got blown out of the water and i was wondering it's like well why did he why did he fight with it you know what was going on back and forth what was this what was this all about to begin with and we brought up some of the weaknesses in trump's defense and one of them was the fact that when the National Archives asked for specific top secret documents. They, you know, they when when the Trump lawyers gave them back to them and they gave them everything back, you know, that they requested at that point. They never said these have been declassified. Right. They agreed with right. them basically by not disagreeing that these are top secret mm-hmm. and the Trumps. And that's a problem. Yeah. But the fact is, we know so much about it. It's only the Biden. Biden's the only administration is the administration. That is completely, we won't answer any questions. No questions on it, no questions on it, no questions on it. And and we understand why, because of what you just said, how they were separated. Mm-hmm. And so that shows that shows that there was an intent to distribute them in some way uh, out, you know, uh, uh, outside of a secure location. Which, and when he says, I knew nothing about, you know, base, well, excuse me. I was surprised by it. Mm-hmm. I want to be careful here because the White House, when Corrine Jean-Pierre came out and said, well, no, he didn't know about it at all. And the reporter said, wait a minute, what do you mean? He's never said he didn't know about it at all. He just said he was surprised. Right. So that could be a bunch of things. I'm surprised that somebody found out I had them. Exactly. You know, that's <laughs> what we said from day one. And, and she goes, oh, let me go back then. Uh, what I meant is he was surprised, he was surprised, he was surprised, he was surprised. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wow. Yeah. This is this is uh, uh, this is uh, really bad. And then, as we talked about, when um, Pete Ducey asked her directly, "Is the president involved in a cover-up?" and she didn't say no. Oh, that was horrible. But the biggest thing that has come out in the last week, and this was from the the when we the ones that they got last week, and Senator Mike Lee talked about it. This was the fact that there are top secret documents. Of when he was in the Senate, mm. and as he explained Thursday, he did a you know, tweet storm on this, and he said the classified documents quote never remain with the senator after being viewed in the secured area known as SCIF, the sensitive uh, compartmented information facility, is what that is. These comments were in reference to uh, Biden's classified documents scandal, with such materials were found by the president's attorneys and the Justice Department. The documents found. In the last rover, reportedly from Biden's term as vice president in the Obama administration, senators see classified documents in two ways, in a skiff or in uh, with uh, uh, two staff with high security clearance brings a document to a senator's office in a locked case, opens a case long enough to read the document. No talking is allowed at all. You read the document. All the doors are closed. So the, the basically the staff, the top secret staff, whatever they're called, comes in with the document, opens it up. You look at it. You don't get to copy it. You don't get to do anything. They close it. They walk out. You don't get to write notes or anything like that. The doc, documents never remain with the senator. In the second scenario, the staffer with security clearance immediately puts the document back in the lock case and leaves, prompt, promptly returning the document to the skiff that's the problem it is unknown how the documents traveled to biden's home or to the heavily chinese funded penn biden center that's the problem that's why biden says 
so much worse. And everybody knows it. That's why the that's why even the Trump thing has died, and nobody's making that comparison. And that's all the Democrats have done over the last <laughs> five years. Everything is compared to Trump. Right. You're not even making that comparison anymore. And the whole Pence thing is is done. So this hope earlier in the week from Democrats said, oh, the Pence shows everything is the same. It's not the same. When Dick Durbin can't defend the president, you know it's bad. Yeah. Yep. And as you mentioned, when we played the audio from him on MSNBC on yesterday's show, you pointed out that he didn't even try and use the yeah, but Trump defense. Yeah. And you, but you can't. You, there's and, no way to do and, that. And then that not only that, the story's bigger because you've got three reports, as Breitbart notes here, uh, from establishment media, not conservative media, right, indicate right. the White House and Justice Department agreed to hide the scandal yep. from the American public. Right. You had it was the was it the New York Times that put the other Washington one? Post? No, the was it the New York Times or the, did the story on on um, was it uh, or the Washington Post that the Justice Department members are furious at the Biden administration? Because they don't believe that they were straight with them either. Uh, that story I think we did uh, uh, yesterday. And so uh, White House officials are reportedly suspicious about how uh, Biden's classified document scandal was leaked to the press after only a select group of White House and Department mm-hmm. of Justice officials knew about the White House violation. But, I mean, so there's so many aspects to this here from the whole thing of it first coming out and then, you know, at the same time, while the Department of Justice is going after Trump, they know this bigger problem exists, and they wanted to hide it from the public, too. Yeah. So everybody's tainted across the board in this one. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's bad from the top down, no doubt. 86690-RED-EYE. Hi, I'm Jen Loomis, a transport safety expert at J.J. Keller, and I'm here to share a tip on winter weather driving. Before you even head out onto slippery roads or snowy conditions, you need to make sure your vehicle is ready to go. Some equipment is especially important when driving in winter. Ensure that the heater and defroster are working properly and that all exhaust system connections are secure. A loose connection could cause carbon monoxide to leak into the vehicle. Check to see that the cooling system is full and there is enough antifreeze. It's recommended that you use an antifreeze that is rated for negative 25 degrees Fahrenheit. Confirm that all lights are working properly and that they're clear of snow, ice, and dirt. Check to make sure the wiper blades are in good condition and that you have enough washer fluid in the reservoir. It's also important to use washer fluid that is rated for cold temperatures. Finally, check that battery cables are firmly connected and are not corroded. This tip was brought to you by J.J. Keller and Associates. Visit us at jjkeller.com. This report is brought to you by Pilot Flying J and by Shell Rotella. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. Check out all the latest. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 Red Eye. And when you look at a scandal, too, you just wonder that in, in any scandal... Is there ever any good news? You know, is there anything that ever blunts the seriousness of a of of a story or blunts the damage uh, of a uh, of of a politician in a scandal? And now that this thing is you know going on three weeks, there hasn't been one bit of good news 
uh, for for Biden on this. Every day it gets worse. Hmm. That's a that's the political problem that he has. And once you get to this point, and especially since they've gone silent, the political problem is that well over eighty percent of the population, eighty percent of Americans, even eighty percent of Democrats believe that the Department of Justice should be investigating Biden on this. Right. You don't see numbers like that. You see numbers like that and you say we're dead. Yeah. Right. Politically. Politically. Yeah. We're we're we have no credibility at all. Right. on the app and on our website red radioshow.com it's red eye radio he is eric carly and i'm gary mcnamara 86690 red eye you know i have a little bit of a, a liberal circular firing squad that just came to my mind here before we came on the air okay and that's because uh, you saw adam schiff announced that uh, he's uh, wants to run for Diane Feinstein's seat. And, by the way, she hasn't Senate. officially announced she's not running again. <laughs> no. <clears throat> no. But, but uh, uh, he couldn't wait. Yeah. And um, it's just the, the story that's that's uh, out there. And, and we've talked about Adam Schiff and, and the things that, uh, that he has done before and why McCarthy was absolutely right. Mm-hmm. And we're glad that he laid out that this isn't about revenge of any way these people don't deserve, whether uh, it was um, – uh, Swalwell, because, sorry, you cannot be privy to the top secrets of the nation and be in charge of intelligence agents, you know, and, and be an overseer, one of the top overseers of intelligence agencies and the top secrets of the country when you've had a relationship with a Chinese spy. Right. Sorry, you can serve on other committees. You can't serve on this one. Absolutely right. Adam Schiff lied consistently and said that the intelligence that he saw showed that Trump colluded with the Russians. And it was more than circumstantial evidence. Right. And there were other things he did, but that was the main thing that we, if you've been a long time listening to the show, we have said when when we found that out, and that was when the inspector general, remember, did his report. Right, right. Uh, what would it have been, uh, two years ago, December, I think it was, or was it yeah. three years ago? I can't remember. Time flies. Mm. But at that point, you realize, oh, <clears throat> Adam Schiff lied. There was no intelligence that showed that uh, Trump colluded with the Russians, and Adam Schiff continually lied to the American public about it. Well, sorry, when you do that, you're gone. When you're the chairman of the Oversight Committee and you lie about the oversight to the American people, Right. You, you have deliberately gone out of your way to not do oversight, to do the opposite of oversight. Yep. yep. And if you've listened to this show, you know that we're not just going along with what McCarthy said. In fact, when McCarthy said it the other day, we played the audio mm-hmm. and said, that's what we've been demanding right. all this time. And, and we told when it first came out in December that they were going to kick, you know, they were going to get kicked off and the mainstream media kept saying because of revenge because of the revenge because of what they did to republicans we said no you got to make it clear 
why they're going. Because yep. if you've picked these two people, it can only be for this reason. And Swalwell's got to be, sorry, you can't be privy to the top secrets of the United States and an oversight position of the intelligence agencies when you've had a relationship with a Chinese spy. Yeah, I'm sorry, I, mean, I, don't, I don't know where else to go with it. Right. And and so the Democrats are trying to make a great deal of it, but really you don't see a lot of defense for Schiff and Swalwell because you can't. No. Well, no. Swalwell should be on the Intelligence Committee. He had a relationship with a Chinese spy. Well, we should be able to have relationships with Chinese spies <laughs> and Russian spies too and still be the overseer of the top secrets of the United States. Yeah, it's not a problem. Yeah, 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 that's the ticket, yeah. And so they really didn't get much movement. Schiff didn't get really any defense. In fact, I found this fascinating. A progressive group was quick to attack Representative Adam Schiff after he announced his bid for California's U.S. Senate seat on Thursday. Though Schiff has sought to position himself as a fighter against MAGA extremists and a champion of progressive values, the group laid into him for his lack of accountability on former President Donald Trump. Quote, Adam Schiff plays the role of Trump antagonist on TV, but a recent book details how he stalled and undermined leaders trying to hold Trump accountable in Congress, and he never challenges the corporations or the Democratic establishment, said Adam Green, co-founder of the Progressive Change Campaign Committee, Thursday in a statement. Let's take the first part of it because I think that's the most important part. Adam Schiff plays a role of Trump antagonist on TV, but a recent book details how he stalled and undermined leaders trying to hold Trump accountable in Congress. You know why? He knew he was lying and would get caught. Mm -hmm. If you really went to hold Trump accountable. You and, wouldn't hold and, you, then, and you had you had information. Why would you hold that? He held it because he knew he was lying. Yep. We always pointed out when he went on The View, and they said, you have said that it's more than circumstantial evidence. What was this evidence that you saw? Give us just one bit of the evidence that Trump was colluding with the Russians. And so he said, okay, I'll tell you. And I'm expecting, well, is he going to give us some top secrets wow. here or whatever? Wow. Is he going to talk about the fact that, A whoopee you know, scoop. You know, whoopee scoop. And it's like, oh, oh obviously because of the... Of the, uh, the Trump uh, Tower meeting. Trump Tower meeting. Mm-hmm. Right. That? Yeah, with Trump it? Jr. and Veselnitskaya, yeah. the Trump lawyer, or the uh, Russian lawyer. The the entire thing, all that time, then we're led to believe was something we already knew about and had been vetted by the media. Right. It wasn't top secret. And he was stating what he saw in the top secret documents. So we knew at that point, oh. He can't defend it. So the only course that he had, the only course that he had was to, you know, if, if knowing that it was an absolute lie that he was promoting, he couldn't push it too hard. He could just push it hard enough where the politics against Trump at that time would continue to move against him. But he could never go to court. He could never testify in, in public. He could never articulate that Trump did these particular things because he had no evidence. Right. So he couldn't go full forward on it. But I don't think the liberals care about that. What they care about is he said as a political activist, 
that they believe Schiff is, as a political activist, it, they were they were so enabled and emboldened by the fact that we think we've got Trump because of Schiff. And it was all a load of crap. So they feel so disappointed because and so they look at it and go, well, we can, you know, you failed us. You failed us. We don't care if you lie, but if you lie, you need to lie effectively. And you didn't lie effectively in that situation. So you got to go. I think that's why they're ticked off. Yeah, I really do. Yeah. No, I'm with you on that. You're a horrible liar. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) By the way, we kind of said that along the way. Wait a minute. It was clear he was desperate to have an out, which is why he went on The View and then came up with this absurd thing about the Trump Tower meeting. Right. Why Why in the world would you? And, and, and it goes back to the question, because if I'm a liberal and I'm thinking, oh, man, Schiff has the goods on Trump. The second time he says it, I'm thinking, well, well, let's go. Come on. Out with it. Mm-hmm. it it's the same approach as the uh, January 6th committee. You know, toward the end and their final days. Oh, well, well we're going to we're going to do something. We're going to. Why didn't you start with that? Because you you put the committee together Clearly, you had something at the beginning. Why didn't you take action right away? Well, because you had nothing. That's the answer. And Adam Schiff had nothing. And that's why he couldn't deliver. And that's the problem when you lie. Yep. The problem when you lie is eventually, you know, you can sit there and all the propaganda, you know, that, you know, that, that, even still hear a little bit about it now. Well, Lynn Cheney was actually a hero for what she Mm -hmm. did because she gave up. She gave up everything in Congress for what? For what? What evidence did she bring forward? Right. She showed a lot of anger. She right. showed a lot of hatred towards Trump. Mm-hmm. And ultimately but, but brought nothing. But you and and fine, you can hate Trump, you can dislike Trump, you can you can uh, be enraged by Trump, but what you said is you had evidence that you had the evidence and would present the evidence that he was involved in a, you know, conspiracy of insurrection, you couldn't do that. And you couldn't do it when you were the the so-called figurehead Republican mm-hmm. where nobody on your committee ever was involved in any type of or wished to be involved in any type of due process where any of the evidence or any of the allegations could ever be cross-examined, and you still couldn't do it. <laughs> and that's a problem. So it's like everybody involved. You see, you notice you hear nothing on that. No, nobody's really talking. No. The, the occasional, oh, you know, Lynn Cheney was a hero. Yeah, like Lynn Cheney's going to be embraced by Democrats now. It's got to be exhausting if you're a rank and file liberal Trump hater. How many times did they do that? Or they promised they had something yeah. on Trump. Well, if you're not effective and you were the point person on it, you're going to have a lot of progressives say, okay, all right, you tried, but you blew it. Now we need somebody We need somebody fresh and new that people don't debate their credibility at this point. But you've destroyed your credibility. And we know you're a political activist. You pretend you're not. 
but your credibility is gone. Nobody believes you. We need to find somebody new. You don't need to be in the Senate. Well, it's one thing to lie. It's another thing when that lie carries a promise to deliver something that people are waiting on. And it wasn't ever going to deliver. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, politically, that's what happened. Uh, the fact that that he lied as someone who was in charge of the oversight committee. And he lied about that oversight, which is the abs- mm-hmm. absolute opposite of oversight, is why he shouldn't ever serve on any committee. Which, by the way, in my mind, also includes the Senate but it was interesting to, to when I when I first saw this and you know when we saw this we said oh break this down why would the liberal group okay they're saying that he really didn't go after Trump it's like well, yeah but you know he couldn't because he didn't have anything on Trump yeah he yeah. lied he right. lied about it right. and so I think they're looking at going you know something his he's his usefulness is done yeah he didn't get the job done he didn't deliver he's lost credibility and we don't care that he lied. He didn't effectively lie. Time for somebody new. The last thing we want is to take somebody who has not been successful in lying about our political enemy and put them in a higher position where they have lost so much credibility already. Right. We need to get a new fresh face in there that people can view as credible for the next 10 years and continue our false political narrative, whatever that is. Right. But we need somebody new to carry the water. Mm-hmm. That's what's going on here. They know he's a liberal. Yep. He's just effectively can't communicate their false message anymore. Whatever that false message is, they know they're going to have more false messages they wish to communicate in the future. And he blew the big one big time. Yeah, he did. You just wonder if when he said that, because it really didn't go anywhere in the view. Remember when he said it? Didn't it didn't you figure that would have gone you know, viral that, oh, because he, it was something they all knew. Everybody about. knew about it, but he wasn't even criticized. It was like it just laid there. Yeah, they would. They, it was just, oh, oh, OK. I also wonder about the choice to run for Senate. Assuming Feinstein serves out what would be her final term, 24 does not look good for Democrats in the Senate. Yeah, but not in Feinstein, not in California. No, 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 no. My point mm-hmm. is, is that. Schiff would, you know, the idea would be, well, I'll go over to the Senate and then I'll be on one of those committees. And right now they have power in the Senate, yeah. but they won't after 24. If if he thinks he's going to be on a committee, the liberal media has been lining out the long road of uh, uphill battle from 24 on that the Democrats have in the Senate. So. That's not going to play it's, out. Maybe ranking member. But. Odds, odds are he'll still be in the minority. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. And so yep. I don't know what the move is other than to just <laughs> separate himself from Kevin McCarthy. I don't know. 866-90-RED-EYE. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Hurley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE, if you'd like to get in. So there, there you go. We've just, we've analyzed there in the last uh, segment 
you know, what the liberal group was actually saying. Hmm. Schiff is no longer effective right. because he's lost credibility and they can't win. They they know they can't win uh, the Kevin McCarthy argument that he doesn't deserve to be sitting here yeah. because he lied. And nobody is, you notice, was there one Democrat that has stood up and said Andrew Schiff did not lie? Adam, I should call him Andrew, <laughs> that Adam Schiff did not lie. Hmm. Has anybody defended him said, no, Adam Schiff didn't lie about Trump? I haven't seen one. No, no, it's a good point. I haven't I seen, haven't seen anywhere. anybody do that. Everybody knows it. And so right. he's no longer effective or useful to the Democratic Party. They didn't mind that he lied, maybe, but he wasn't effective in his lie. Maybe that's the point of going to the Senate and running in the Senate. Well, time to get out, right? Yeah. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the planet, Earth, in case you were wondering. Oh, yeah. He's Eric Hurley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Welcome and welcome and or good morning. <laughs> Number one on Jupiter. <laughs> Download our app today, and you can listen when and where you want if you can't listen live uh, overnight. All right. So uh, we've had a couple of things this week where we went. One was Andrew, McCar- or, and Andrew McCarthy. Uh, Kevin McCarthy, when he uh, when he explained about uh, Adam Schiff and mm. uh, and uh, Swalwell, why they can't serve in the House Intelligence Committee, and I mean it was exactly what how we said that he should do it. There was something else this week too that we hit. We were so happy. We went, wow! All right, they explained it exactly. There was something else, but this is another one, and this actually does not come from a politician. It comes from the author, J.K. Rowling. Mm. Did you see what she said in her tweet? Mm. This is exactly what we have stated. And on the liberal transgender activist movement that she's gotten a ton of criticism on, we have always said, don't defend, attack. If, if, they, if they want a name call, you can name call back, as we've said many times. Uh, you're transphobic. Well... You're a misogynist. You hate women. All right, let's play this game. You name call, we'll name call. You're femophobic. All right, now let's actually discuss the science behind it and reality. But if you want to do the name calling, we can be just as vicious in the name calling if that's the game that you wish to play. And we don't wish to play that game. But if they wish to play the game, we can throw words out that are ju- probably more that we can back up that the public will buy our argument using our label and our name calling better than yours mm-hmm. sometimes you have to get down in the muck and it, in, in order to defend it because that's what they do they name call first and so we've always said that when if you've been a long time listening to the show well you're you're uh, transphobic well fine you're a misogynist and you're fem- you're a femophobe 
You hate women. Why do you hate women? Tell us why you hate women. Why do you believe a man should be able to dictate what a woman is? You think you can win that argument with me? You can't win that argument, and you know it. You can only use it when people are afraid because you attack them with the label, and then they back off, and they don't have the guts to argue with with you. But if you get somebody out there who actually knows the facts and isn't afraid to debate, they can't win. They never could win. Oh. And so when I saw J.K. Rowling and what she uh, wrote, uh, let me get it. Here it is. I think she's listening to the show because it's almost. It's, I, I, I'm reading this. I, I laughed when I saw this the other day. Men defining what a woman is, what woman should and shouldn't fear, what woman should and shouldn't say, what rights women should be fine with giving up, and of course, what constitutes real misogyny. Get a bloody mirror. That's real misogyny looking right back at you. And I think we, I think that we were the first ones. I don't know anybody else because we said this years ago about attacking back at the liberal transgender activist movement because this started a long time ago with, uh, again, you know, uh, uh, men wanting to play women's sports. This is at least a yeah. decade old. Sure. So we've been using this these uh, terms, and since they were the ones that were name calling, we said, "Fine, you want a name call? We'll name call back, and we'll explain our name calling." Mm-hmm. You know, because you're the ones that use phobic as if there's some fear. There's no fear. I don't fear any of that. I don't fear any person because of how they name call or because they use uh, an offshoot of fear in their label against me, it doesn't mean I'm fearful. They throw that out. I can prove to them I'm not. And then I can prove to you exactly what they are. And she just did it right there. And so it's good to see because she is one of, you know, she's a, She's one of the women that have taken a strong stand. The liberal uh, feminist movement crumbled under what the man says. Think yeah. about that. Right. And maybe it doesn't have as much impact on a lot of, you know, on a lot of younger people because really the, the, the feminist movement for the last couple of decades is not as strong as they were in the when when I was you know growing up and became a teenager in the sixties and then in the seventies and went to college in that time when they really came to the forefront, right? Yeah, yeah. And yeah, it wasn't. It hasn't been over the last decade or two as ever present as it was right then. And when you realize how powerful of a force and how vocal they were mm. in defending, you know and I'm talking about liberal feminism, Right. what they said, these are our rights without question, and to watch them crumble, absolutely just crumble under the weight of what the man says was really one of the most incredible evolutions of a political movement that I've ever seen. 
Yeah. In fact, it may be the greatest crumble of a political movement based on what is, you know, what was viewed uh, as a um, uh, my as a minority group. Mm-hmm. And you think of everything you think of the women's suffrage movement and voting and and women coming into the workplace and title nine title yeah, title nine and and everything that came about over the last 100 years in this country uh, and 150 I, years in this country well you know and and, I, and, and, and and to watch it crumble in a matter of a couple of years and and the obama administration really if you think about it officially that was the moment that they were destroying title nine the joint edict yeah between the yeah. doj and the department of education saying our interpretation of title nine is this yeah if a student identifies this as this you must honor that you can't make special arrangements even travel arrangements if they are on a team, you can't do any of that. This is our interpretation of Title IX. The translation is, we're including the DOJ on this joint edict because you're violating what we believe are the rights of transgenders, and we are destroying, in turn, the rights of women. There is no way around that. You can't debate that. That is what happened. Yeah. And is still in play today. In fact, even more so, we said then at the the end of the Obama administration, when, when that joint edict came down, don't believe that if Republicans gain power, this is over. It's far no. from over. And it's funny because uh, we're, we're really not in the habit of making predictions. You know, we, we just we're, we're not. But, but they are but, predictable. <laughs> no, but we said and this was a, I, I know we were working together, but it was early on when we were working together and we saw this and we said this will be the end of liberal feminism. Yeah. If right. liberal feminist, I said, because it's going to take liberal feminists to come up to truly defeat the liberal transgender activist movement. You're going to have to have some type of circular firing squad. And that just dissipated completely. And we know, and and we saw it. I mean, the end, the be, the the final beginning of the end was for the second uh, when when uh, Trump became president. It was the second year when they had the second uh, women's uh, what was it uh, protest, whatever mm-hmm. they call it, the women's mm-hmm. movement day mm-hmm. uh, down there, and they split because the first year it was all the women pink hats. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, vagina hats, right. They represented vaginas, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's a woman Mm -hmm. vagina. And, you know, that's that's how you know what a woman is. Mm -hmm. And then the second year, there was a huge split in the liberal uh, women's movement. Right. Because, well, then if you wore a pink hat and was saying that a woman wore a vagina, then you were just a bigot. Right. And then everything fell. The liberal trans, excuse me, the liberal women's movement in this country just fell apart. Yep completely fell apart right to where we go back what was it a year and a half ago two years ago where gloria steinem finally came out and waved the white flag gloria steinem think about this submitted to the will to the lies of a man you know that second march you could have been wearing a maga hat and been better received (laughs) 
<laughs> might have been, yes. But but think about it. Gloria Steinem submitted yeah. to the lie of a man. Yeah. Or men, whatever. Who right. We're stating we can be a wim- woman whenever. Because a man says so. Because a man says so. Gloria Steinem. Think, and and the, for me, it's because I went through all of that. Where Gloria Steinem was on every single, you know, Phil oh Donahue. Gosh. Phil, yeah. Phil Donahue, Oprah. I mean. And the long line of clients and everything else. Yeah. And just, I mean, if you think about it. And imagine this. Imagine Gloria Steinem. Because this is effectively what she's doing. Stepping up with a man. Who says he's a woman and wants to be on the team? After yeah. everything she did leading up to that, yeah, for, for Title Nine, <laughs> wanting Title Nine and everything else, it's like, oh, wow. no, sorry, I know we fought for Title Nine, but a man wishes to compete against a woman, and we will submit to the will of the man because the man says so. And and that's why whenever I talk about this, you may there may be a you, you may sense a certain like can't believe this and it's just because i went through all of it i mean in college and everything else and all you you know women's rights and women's rights and women's rights and women's rights and Mm -hmm. women's rights and women's rights a man says he wishes to play a women's sport oh okay let's forget about it the liberal women's movement is dead after 150 years in this country that's right when you actually put it and state it that way it's mind-blowing no it is and, it is. And they're completely quiet today. Well, because that's, they're, that's they're, their second march was all about the man. Right. And now I will say this. I mean, now you, you finally have. I mean, J.K. Rowling's been one of those who has been mm-hmm. con- consistent on this. And she's right. right and she's not right. a bigot in any way. Just like we're not a bigot in any way. We just, uh, I think National Review had an article saying, <laughs> basically talking about the transgender movement in nature. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, when did nature, <laughs> when did nature not matter anymore? Nature mattered, didn't matter anymore, and science didn't matter anymore uh, when the man stated what the man wanted. And the man told you to quit talking about science. Right. The man told you to quit talking about science, and the liberal women's movement said, we must abide, we must listen to the man. There it is, the trans movement's long war with nature. Uh, Michael Brendan Doherty yesterday. Is nature our home or our oppressor? <laughs> That's a great, great, great point. But if you include the science, you're going to be threatened. That's dissent. And then he writes, this is a great line here. There is an illusion in our political culture that our deepest debates could be resolved if only one side or the other would resile their private, inexpert opinions and submit to the facts, the experts, and the guidance of technocrats from the relevant fields. Mm. But in fact, our deepest debates are now beyond the experts. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you bring an expert in? Uh, uh, yeah, and it goes through everything you know, that, that where we are today, that it's only you just come up with a narrative and say, if you don't believe, if you, and here's what it is with the liberal transgender activist movement, is this is what it's boiled down to. Well, this is a narrative. Yeah, but it's not true and it's not science. Yeah, but if you don't agree to it, and tell these people and celebrate with them, they might commit suicide. Hmm. That's what the argument boils down right. to right now. Right. That it boils down to. Right. So well, don't you dare bring in the facts. Right. right. So the facts don't matter because you'll make this person feel sad and they might commit suicide. Right. That bluntly gets 
to the, you know, very quickly what their argument is. Right. We can't tell the truth because something someone might feel something about it. And instead of dealing with that issue and having a conversation about the core of that issue. No, we have to change science instead. Or whatever type of counseling you need to help these people realize what reality is. Right. That's what a conversation would would lead to. You would think you would want to have a conversation about mental health if you're on the left and they don't. No, they don't. They don't. Nope. They want you to lie. They want you to deny the truth instead of helping people who truly need help and guidance. Right. Yep. You know, Hillary Clinton. Women vote how men tell them to vote. <laughs> Remember that. <laughs> uh, uh, Mrs. Clinton, uh, y- y- your side says that we can we have to change science because the man says so it was almost that we have to do away with title nine because the man says so almost as good as harris yeah exactly you know remember it's yeah uh, because she was when when she dropped out in december of 2019 you know well this shows that americans are racist no this is the primary yeah this this shows your party is racist exactly 866-90-RED-EYE We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. Progressive Commercial Insurance protects truck owners with specialized coverages for heavy trucks. Get a quote in as little as five minutes at ProgressiveCommercial.com. Eric Harley here for my friends at Valley Chrome Plating. Drivers, are you looking to outshine everyone rolling down the road? Head to Valley Chrome Plating, your one-stop shop for... Hi, guys. Um, I really like listening to your show. Um, I'm not surprised at all by the quick abandonment of the women's rights movement by the uh, leftist liberals. Their their um, foremost goal is really to create chaos, and the gender uh, transgender issue creates more chaos than the women's rights do because, really, women's rights have, in the greatest um, part, has been embraced by america so the transgender issue is much more chaotic than the women's rights issue and the more widespread the chaos becomes against traditional values the more the leftist argument uh, is for government control which is really their goal it's about liberal leftist government control Hmm. i guess the question would be is it is is promoting chaos and thanks so much for your call ken is promoting chaos for the sake of chaos an effective political strategy when you look for example and we say the women's movement and i think you know the women's movement hasn't always been a a liberal movement i want to make that clear as I, i talk about the liberal women's movement really over the last you know uh you know maybe 40 years yeah uh whereas when you look at it you know the the you know the women's suffrage movement uh for the right to vote and and things like that the civil rights movement in this country Hmm. that uh, everybody lives under the same constitutional rights is something that was embraced by america you know there were protests and everything but it wasn't that eventually america disagreed with it or it defied science in some way right in fact if you look at the liberals if you not the not the women's liberal but the if you look at the women's movement 
when you get to Title IX, what was Title IX saying? Title IX was saying that because when you think about it, because, you know, we live in a very uh, male-centric society of sports, you know, because of the majority of, of, of men are built differently than the majority of women. Mm-hmm. Uh, not all, but the majority are. There are different structures in men than there are in 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 women. Muscle. We'll get into this more coming up. But Title IX was actually an acknowledgement of the differences between men and women. Right. And now the push is to say there are no differences. Right. Which, of course, there are. The Bonus Show. And it's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90 of uh, Red Eye. Thanks to uh, Ken in Pennsylvania, because you just got a bunch of stuff going through uh, our minds here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, when you talked about the the fact that the women's uh, liberal women's movement uh, crumbled under the transgender movement because, uh, you know, you, there really wasn't, when, when, you, when you look at it, uh, you could cause much more chaos uh, doing what you know they're promoting, and that's what the left is out to do. And um, my response would be, well, okay, is is uh, how far does chaos get you? When you looked at a lot of the great civil rights movements uh, in this country, they were based on uh, ensuring that people were protected under the Constitution mm. of the United States. Where people started disagreeing, then is when it got to the point. Well. Uh, uh, not equality of opportunity, but equality of outcome. Right. That there should be equality of outcome, and that and that uh, there it isn't a uh, a truly moral society unless you have equality of outcome, which of course is ridiculous because you have too many types of people out there. Equality of outcome is never going to is never going to be the case. And when you look at uh, equality of outcome, it depends how you quantify the outcome, though, too. What's the outcome? Is he, is he, is the judgment purely money and jobs? And this is where you get, for example, and Jordan Peterson deals with this all the time. And the interesting thing, if you ever listen to Jordan Peterson talk about the difference between men and women, as you said, you know, men and women are more alike than dislike, but, you know, at the outer edges, that makes a difference, uh, you know, that men are basically, you know, we're mostly like because we're human beings, but the differences cause wide disparity at the end, you know, at the at, at the ends. For example, that's why you have many more men in prison. Because even though men most likely are more aggressive, there are still aggressive women out there that are just as aggressive, I guess, if you look at the clinical psychology studies on it, that can be just as aggressive, but the majority are not. And therefore, that's why you have more men in prison. Right. And so when you look, though, at the women's movement in this country, the women's movement actually you know, wanted, you know, the right to vote, mm. you know, the right not to be discriminated against uh, in in, uh, in in the workplace. That turned into a quality of outcome. If women in all of their jobs, even though women tend to go to different jobs than men do, that don't pay as well, and because of pregnancy and that disruption, 
if you take the entire thing, men make more money, but men also work more hours and men work the most dangerous jobs, which which pay more. There is a recognition that there are differences between men and women, how slight they are if you look overall, but how they can affect, you know, who ends up doing what in a, in a society. Right. It doesn't mean anybody is unequal to the other one. And so when you see that the women's movement in this country, the uh, you know, got to the point of Title IX, and Title IX was saying, you know, that women's sports need to be funded like men's sports because women need that opportunity to do sport, not to become NBA players. You know, you see that, for example. The women's movement goes too far when they're screaming that the the WNBA should be making the exact same amount mm. of money mm. as the NBA. Yeah. Well, you, that's based on revenue. Right. Sex has nothing to do with it. It's what's the revenue coming in. Well, that shows the discrimination. Of, it may show how people discriminate when it comes to sports because they look at maybe the NBA where men are more athletic, can jump higher, are bigger, are faster. And that's what people want to, to see. Does that mean there's discrimination against women in general, and that that is a in all encompassing thing. No, well, Not, it's because it comes down to entertainment, and entertainment right. is about getting an audience to view it. Right, and so it's, it's like saying the Go Go's should be as wealthy as the Rolling Stones. Yeah, well, it doesn't work that way. Now, there may be, again, you know, this is the problem where you get into the, well, the equal pay and blah, 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 blah. I'll never forget. What's his name? Oh, um, um, the guy that's in Taken. Um, oh, 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 yes. Being, uh, being uh, asked if women should get equal pay. Liam Neeson. Yeah. Should right. women receive equal pay? I believe so. Are you willing to give up some of your salaries on a move? No. <laughs> In the way, I mean, because he responded like, no. Well, but when you find out when women actually work, especially when it comes to college educated jobs, women make more money. Mm -hmm. right. And they did the survey that women, you know, from the time they become professionals outside of college till the time they get pregnant. Right. They make right. actually have a higher salary than men do. Mm -hmm. And when P Jordan Peterson points all this stuff, I mean, it drives it. But again, I, he's not looking for he's not trying to justify a particular narrative. And neither am I. Mm -hmm. What is is what is is, mm -hmm. you know, when it comes to biology, I can't change it. I'm not trying to change that. Right. I just acknowledging or observing what is is different than saying I have a preconceived narrative that I'm going to defend no matter what. Mm -hmm. And so. When you had the women's movement that clearly with Title Nine, this is amazing too. It was a man, Obama, <laughs> who really pushed the change in that. Well, no, but, that's but, that's it. It right. was his administration. Exactly. So I mean it just it's amazing because he was viewed as the great liberator and he is the one that really got this movement started, this misogynist movement that exist in the liberal transgender activist movement uh, to ensure that women don't have opportunity that Title IX gave them. Mm -hmm. 
and said, no, women should be able to play sports, too, in their youth. Then when you get to be an adult, hey, it's whatever happens. Yeah, right. But when they're when they're young and when they're when they're when they're growing, developing, women should be able to play uh, sports, too, and should be able to play against each other. It was never viewed that women were going to play against men. Now, there are sports, for example, where if you can do it, if you can perform as a man, you're in. One of them is the PGA golf. The LPGA is a ladies' professional golf association. The PGA is a professional golf association. If you're a woman and you can do it, you can go on the PGA Tour. Yeah. Right. And would I be against it? Absolutely. But not for the reason you think. I'm just jealous of a woman who could hit a ball a lot further than I am, whether she plays for the PGA or not. No, it would be great. Mm Mm-hmm. Because if it's on equal terms and she can do it, my, can you imagine? You think Tiger Woods was popular? You get a woman that could actually be able to, and, and but most most can't. In fact, so far, no one has been able to do that right. on the women's tour. Right. When Annika played, a lot of people were excited. She played right here uh, at uh, Colonial. Mm. Now, she didn't play from the same tees, and she got a sponsor exemption. But it was, it was great to see her out there. And if a woman could do it, it doesn't matter whether I like it or not. By the way, I would like it. But it doesn't matter whether I like it or not. It's the reality that if you can cut it, you can cut it. I wouldn't in, in, like it. I in, wouldn't like it at all. Why not? I don't like golf. I don't care who's playing. Well, you know, you're. I, I, this is it. I mean, this kind of bigotry that you're showing here towards golf. I'm an anti-golfer. I have a golf lesson later on today. My second golf lesson with my new golf coach. All right, then. I was able to get that in today. Hey, tell them the story about the boys' swimming team, would you? <laughs> I think so. Why don't you throw that in? By the way, I did get a email from a woman saying, I hate you. I go, why? She said, when you were talking about that story, I don't even know how we ever got to it this week, mm-hmm. uh, about when I was high school, and I got... I got Think about this. I got more emails on that than any other email on any topic this week. More yeah. response on that, talking about when I was in high school and the boys swam naked. And yeah. we actually looked at the history of it, and it's because of the – they used to – you didn't used to bring your own bathing suit when you went to school if they had a pool, mm. like in the 30s. Mm-hmm. You They gave you, like, these wool suits, and the boys will – whatever, the stuff from the wool got in the, the filtration system, mm-hmm. so the boys swam naked. Yeah, and instead so of improving the filtration system, everybody get naked. Everybody get naked, right. And so I, when she said she didn't know if she could ever forgive me for saying, hey, Wolf Blitzer went to my high school a couple of years before I did, and so he swam naked too. And she said the theater of the mind for the split second was too much to handle. <laughs> Little known fact, when he was 13, he had a full beard. Well, that's what she was saying. She goes, I pictured him with the adult head. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Gray hair and all. Yeah. I said, well, mission accomplished. Well, <laughs> we accomplished what we wanted to. Mind. Yeah, it's not uh, really the theater of mind you want, but we did get to theater of mind. Yes. Uh, but when, And so when you got to, I mean, the women's women recognized that there were differences between men and women there. Mm-hmm. And now it's, okay. A man can be a woman whenever a woman wants, or whenever a man wants, and a woman can be a man whenever a woman wants, and there is no biological difference. Well, everybody knows that's ridiculous. It's like where the civil rights movement has gone from, from judging a person from the content of their character, where the left now wishes to judge all people by groups. 
So anti-racism actually becomes racism. That's what people object to. You're not going to convince people once they have come to the once they have come to the conclusion that you judge a person by the content of their character that you're that and you've convinced us a society has now accepted that as what our society is even based on the original constitution about individuality and autonomy and the limits of of the government on you and and freedom you're not going to reverse people once they get to that point. There's going to be pushback when you say, oh, no, by the way, if you say the content of, of the character, you judge a person by the content of their character and you judge them uh, as an autonomous human being, as an individual, where the content of their character is what counts. Mm-hmm. Well, then that's white supremacy. Right. You're not going to convince people of that. Well, it's and, and this is the this is where they want this to go. The left wants this to be a brand new civil rights movement because they look at the civil rights movement and then what happened after that. And what did you have? You had the blossoming of, of the, of, of modern day liberalism, but politically you had a lot of people basically saying, okay, that was a good thing, right? Look at the things that were accomplished and Mm -hmm. what they need this to be, what they want this to be is a brand new civil rights movement. Well, it's not the same. Not the, No, it's not. It's not the same at all. And you look at the, the what we have pointed out in the dynamics of, you know, the, uh, uh, the, the rights and, the, and any of the groups that were recognized in the civil rights movement. Those protected groups as a society we chose those protected we we looked and recognized those protected groups and now are saying anybody can belong to a protected group simply by saying so then you don't have protected groups and and when you believe it's a, all gone and when you believe a civil rights movement is based on n- number 1 something that isn't scientifically true but then it's based on the fact that in order for you to get the opportunity Somebody else must be marginalized and must lose that opportunity. The woman must lose that opportunity because the man states something that is biologically untrue. Mm-hmm. You're not going to convince people. No, you're not. It's just not. It's not going to happen. You're not going to win. And and the only reason they've been successful in it is through intimidation. We'll destroy your life if you don't go along with it. And well, well, eventually, as we said, we fought back from the very beginning, and we were we were never on the defensive. We were aggressive. And when they said when people would say you guys are transphobic, fine, you're fe- you're a femophobe, mm-hmm. you hate women, mm-hmm. you're a misogynist, and we were we didn't have we didn't sit there and have to defend anything. We went after them for their horrendous uh, bigotry and their denial of basic human nature and science. You know, and where they are losing more and more, you see it in pop culture. They're losing the people. Not just stand-up comedians, and it goes far beyond Dave Chappelle now. Yeah, it does. But it is a number of people that liberals adored in pop culture to basically kind of carry the water of of their agenda. And then all of a sudden, they're not. And they're not on board with this movement. It doesn't come out of hate. It comes out of a very simple uh, reckoning that we're not going to just hand somebody rights because they say that this is what they are. 
We're not going, and we're not going to change science and say that we must must teach this now as the new science, which is yep. exactly where they're headed. So J.K. Rowling coming out and bringing up the whole misogyny of the liberal transgender activist movement, perfect. Yeah, no, I thought that yep. was great. And, and by the way, some other liberal Hollywood types jumping on board yep. with that. 86690-RED-EYE. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 uh, Red Eye, if uh, you'd like to chat. Uh, coming in, or coming up, Oscar time. Mm. So uh, the liberal circular firing squad, Hollywood firing squad, begins. The politics of the Border Patrol whippings non-scandal. Yeah. And more coming up. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Hey, that's part one of our show. Don't miss the rest. Click part two on our website, redeyeradioshow.com, or Red Eye Radio phone app to hear the rest of the show. And thanks for listening to Red Eye Radio. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.